You're listening to Fidem Catholica, the Sunday homilies of Father John Gazaldo, pastor at St. Luke Catholic Church, Temple, Texas. Today's homily is from Sunday, November 20th, 2022, the Feast of Christ the King, titled, Turning the Image of a King on its Head. Sometimes at diocesan events, especially youth events with lots of young people, but this happens at like carnivals and uh, even festivals, the, the committee will bring in an artist, and these are really neat people. They'll they have an artist with a huge canvas, maybe a you know, five by five foot canvas, and they'll start playing music. And the artists will have literally four paintbrushes in their hands and they'll start dancing to the music and painting on this big canvas, which looks like garbage. It's just like he's blotting or she's blotting things up there, splashing paint. And you sit there and you look and you kind of feel awkward like, is he supposed to be good? Because that looks like garbage to me. And you just sit there and they dance and they splash and they, they splatter. And at the end of the event, of the song, they'll step back and then they'll flip, they'll flip the canvas over. And I've seen this happen several times. All of a sudden, it's a beautiful picture of our Lord. It's a picture of John Paul II or of Our Lady of Guadalupe, our Blessed Mother. Something, and the whole crowd will go, ah. But when it was upside down, they didn't know what they were looking at. It was just rubbish until he turned it over and then it became clear, this is what it's supposed to do, look like. This is a work of art. I would argue for much of Jesus' ministry, he approached the people of Israel. And they had a few things upside down and he really turned things on its head. One of the things is the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who suffer for the sake of righteousness. That's taking what the Jews believe is a blessing and turning it on its head. Completely turning it on its head. Making it much more clear to them as the chosen people. Because in their time, especially in the time of the kings, to be blessed meant you were successful in war, had lots of kids, lived a long time, and that you had lots of money and lands and and cattle. That's what it meant to be blessed. If you didn't live a long time and you, were, you didn't have much and you were a failure in war, you were considered to be cursed by God. But here, Jesus is saying, no, blessed are you who mourn, who thirst, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are you when they persecute you and say everything bad against you. Wow, that's turning something around. Absolutely turning it on its face. Today we celebrate Jesus, Christ the King of the universe. And again, Christ tries to take an image that we may have and turn it over, correct it. What does it mean to be a king? Now for many of us, many of you, you know, when someone says king, I have a certain image in my mind. One of the images that I know a little bit about is if you go to England, there's these images of Henry VIII. You can throw him up there. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of use Henry as sort of the anti, 
Christ the King, if you will. I usually envision a big fat guy with fancy clothes, lots of jewels, lots of subjects, lots of soldiers, lots of wealth and power. He fits that perfectly. And if you don't know much about this guy, just Google it. Because believe it or not, much of our society here in the United States is from English Protestantism. Let me say that again. Luther started the Protestant Revolution. Henry gave it its turbochargers. And it was the same issues we deal with today. Marriage, sex, and authority. 500 years ago, marriage, sex, and authority. So now, believe it or not, Henry VIII was once a very fit young man. He was an athlete, loved sports. But when he came to power, he realized, I could just keep beating and no one's going to say anything. I have my own cooks. So he just kept doing that. He realized that he had lots of power, not only power to conquer, but to kill. Because if you got in his way, he didn't do what he said, he just had you killed. And it was easy. Hundreds of people died because he had them murdered. But then he wanted a divorce from Catherine of Aragon. And he still considered himself Catholic. I'll get a divorce. The Pope will give me an annulment. The Pope was related to Catherine of Aragon. And he said, no, I'm not giving you any annulment. To which the big proud king who says, who are you not going to tell me what to do? He gave the Pope the proverbial middle finger and started his own church, the Church of the Angles, named himself the head of the, the Church of England. That's where we get the term Anglicans. But he was also popular with the ladies. I know it's kind of hard to believe looking at him like right now, but <laughs> because he was a disgusting human being. And if he's not in hell, then nobody is. And I hope that's on video. <laughs> because he didn't just have one wife. As many of you know, he had six wives. And the first one, he, you could think of it like this. Uh, divorce, killed, died. Divorce, killed, survived. A couple of them, he just had their heads chopped off. Because he could. He had the power to do that. And I bring this up today because I spent time many weeks in England. And believe it or not, in many parts of England, he is considered a hero. Because he stood up to the Church of Rome. You know, if you go to other countries, especially even South America, African countries, Asian countries, I know those priests. I know many priests from Mexico. I know priests from Nigeria. I know priests from Vietnam. They don't say Roman Catholic. That's an English term. They gave us that. They said, no, they don't say Catholico Romano. No, it's the Brits. England, when they told the Pope, we don't need you, they said, but we're still Catholic. We're just not Roman Catholic. Hence, we've actually adopted that, haven't we, in the English-speaking world? Yes, because somebody wasn't getting a male heir. Now, I bring him up. I bring him up. Because we have the opposite of that. We have to turn that on his head and show people what a real king, our king, looks like. 
There's many images out there of, the, of our Lord. He does have a crown, but it's not gold. He sat on the throne where he completely revealed himself, and his throne was a cross. He has clothes on here, but on that throne he didn't. He had a few subjects that at the time of Jesus' death, he had a congregation of three. There were soldiers there, but they weren't protecting him. And he did have some adorers. Oh, yes, the soldiers were mocking him. All hail, king of the Jews. But you find out they're mocking him, which is worse. I often think, you know, we do the, the sorrowful mysteries. For me, the most painful one to meditate on is the crowning of thorns. The very people he's the king of are mocking him, laughing at him. You know, some of you, many people in here, I know we've all had times where we've been hurt. But it's one thing to be hurt and then laughed at, adding insult to injury. But that is our king. Because a king usually taxes his people. Our king gives himself to us. A king says his soldiers in the battle. Our king leads us in the battle and took on the evil one and paid the debt with his very body. A king is very careful who's part of the royal family. Everyone in here who is baptized is now part of the royal family. He adopted us. And just like the crowning of thorns, I think the most profound, the one I get the most joy out of when I do the glorious mysteries, believe it or not, is the crowning of our blessed mother as queen of heaven and earth. We know we have a queen, the queen mother. And that that reminds us when we rise from the dead, hopefully he will crown us too as part of his royal family. And not just the power to take life, but in his body, he brings eternal life. That's taking an image of a king and turning it back around the way it's supposed to be. This is our king. And having said that, all we need to do, and we could talk all day about this, to look around the world and see things that have been turned upside down. Men and women, marriage, life, things that have been turned upside down and that have been adopted by the people. Back to the Reformation, we know that on the, you could call it the revolution back in Germany and Switzerland, that all came as a groundswell from underneath, but not in England. That big guy, Henry VIII, it started from the top, and England in 1530 was a devout Catholic country. Two generations later, they hate us. It becomes a universal anti-Catholic country. From the top down, it happened. I would say when it comes to things like the sexual revolution, it actually started at the top, not at the bottom. And it pushed its way down. And many of our young people have adopted everything that's part of the sexual revolution. Taking something that was beautiful, marriage, sex, gender, turning it upside down. But now we as Christians, when meditating on Christ the King and we say with our Spanish brothers and sisters, Viva Cristo Rey, we're asked to turn that image around again. Turn humanity around again. Acknowledge who our king is and set right 
and tell the world that he is king of the universe and we say to all of them and to us again, long live the king. You've been listening to Fidem Catholica, the Sunday homilies of Father John Gazzaldo, pastor at St. Luke Catholic Church, Temple, Texas. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can be made aware when future episodes drop.